fun day. Friday the fun day. Friday the fun dip. For some, it's payday. And for some out there probably not listening to this, today is the day to partay. But for those of us, it is podcast day. But the real dedicated ones know that this is the Lord's day. That's right. Every day belongs to God, the creator, the maker of the universe, the ones whose voice holds the very fabric of the cosmos together. And if you let that voice speak to you, it'll hold you together as well. I want to continue where I left off in my last monologue. We talked about exceeding the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. And I want to go back to the foundational teachings of Jesus found in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 6 and verses 1 through 18. This is Jesus speaking. He says, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, that you may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you have need of before you ask Him. In this manner, therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, how will it be your name? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you will forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Mm. That is 
foundational teaching of our Messiah concerning three major things in our religious walk with God, our religious practice, our observances, our works that we do, and our just our daily spiritual routines. There's many of them, but the Lord focuses on three of them here in this Sermon on the Mount, and that is giving, prayer, and fasting. Giving, prayer, and fasting. Those are spiritual things. Those are not carnal things, although they can have a carnal motive. But these are spiritual things to please the Lord, to entertain the Lord, to further the work of the kingdom of God, to have a connection between yourself and heaven. Giving, praying, and fasting. And Jesus brought a totally new concept and a totally new idea concerning these religious practices to his disciples. And he said that when you do these three things, you need to do them. He said you need to do them, but there's a way you should not do them. And he said, don't do it like the hypocrites. Don't do it like the hippies. (laughs) Actually, no, these aren't hippies. Hippies and hypocrites are not the same thing. Hypocrites is a Greek word. When you say hypocrite, you're speaking Greek. And what you're saying is, in the Greek language, Koine Greek, actor. Hypocrite means a performer. And it was a word also used to describe a mask. You see, the Greeks, one of the things that they brought to the world was the theater. They knew how to set up and build a stage with uh, risers, seats carved out in the mountains, rocks, beautiful theaters. And they designed it in a way where the acoustics would echo and the hypocrites, the actors on stage, could speak and their voice would just, through the acoustics, echo all throughout the theater. And usually in Greek cities, when you go and visit ancient cities, their uh, archaeology, their antiquities, you'll find that the theater is usually positioned on a hill somewhere in the city. And the backdrop of the stage was usually the main center of the city. You know, you're watching the actors on stage, and if you look past them, you would see the big city. You'd see your house. You'd see the city. You'd see the living. And that was the idea of the hypocrites. They wanted to take what they did on stage and let it filter into the main world. They would perform... Uh, scenes of past wars and past victories, such as the Trojan Wars, all of that. Uh, They would perform scenes that they, um, you know, according to their history, that their gods would do, you know, the conflicts between the Titans, uh, the wars between Zeus and whatever. All of that stuff. We don't have time to get into it. But they would just take Greek mythology, Greek life, Greek culture, and bring it to the stage. Uh, They would take a drama you know, conflicts between uh, two families because their son and their daughter want to get married or their (laughs) their son and their son want to get married or their daughter and their daughter want to be together, have a relationship, you know, all that stuff, all the the Greek uh, sinful lifestyle. And they would bring that to the stage for the the families to come out to (laughs) and to watch and be entertained. So you have their hypocrites, a Greek concept. And Jesus is with his followers, 
passing by on the street corners and they see some scribes and Pharisees out there on the, on the corner praying very loudly. And Jesus says, you know what they are? They are hypocrites. They are actors. They are doing the very same thing that the people do on the stage in the theater. That there is no difference between the two. They are not perform they are not out there praying to connect with God. They're praying as a performance for you to see. To look at how awesome they are, to look at how amazing they are. Jesus took his followers into the synagogue and he saw all the scribes and Pharisees coming in and, and displaying all the money that they would give to the to the synagogue. And Jesus said, Hypocrites. He said, They are actors. They are not giving to bless the kingdom. They are not giving to entertain God, to please God. They are giving to be seen of men. This is all a show. They walk out of there and they see these scribes and Pharisees walking down the road as if they've been on a fast for 40 days, you know, like Moses on the mountain of God, or, you know, like Elijah, you know. You know, they're fasting. They disfigure their faces. And Jesus says they're not really fasting. They actually probably got a full belly, to be truthful, but they are appearing to be fasting. And Jesus is teaching us that giving, praying, and fasting is spiritual. It pleases the Lord. But if it's done not for God to please men, you're no different than a pagan actor on the stage performing a lewd scene about minotaurs and senators and the conflicts in the upper realm uh, between the sun and the moon and birthing the titans and Zeus and and Hermes, and Shmermes, and Hades, and Poseidon, and Lion, and Athena, and Shmena, or whoever, birthing all of the humanity on the earth, and then the centaurs, the minotaurs, the half-man, half-beast, all of that, all of the sick uh, things that they did. They did it all on stage, right? And it really has much changed between the theater uh, then with the Greeks and the Romans to our theaters or our, our movies today. Not much. It's all about violence. It's all about death. It's all about sex. It's all about betrayal. It's all about fornication. It's all about adultery. It's all about lust. It's all about death. It's all about uh, uh, tragedy, all of those things. You know, Shakespeare, look at his writings. All about the same stuff. That's the theater. And what Jesus is saying is, if you give and you pray, and you fast to be seen of men, you are no different than an actor on stage. And the only reward you are going to get, the only reward you are going to get is the applause of the sinners, the applause of the men, the applause of the women, the applause of the kids. Look at how great of a show this was. We sold tickets and we made money. That's your only reward. The hypocrites, yeah, they look nice. The hypocrites, yeah, they say a lot of nice things. Yeah, it's all great, but they do it all to be seen of men. It has nothing to do with the court of heaven. It has nothing to do with being seen by God. It has nothing to do with attracting the eyes of God. It has nothing to do with entertaining God or touching the heart of God. That's what King Saul became. He became a man pleaser. He became a king that just wanted to be seen and loved by the people. God said, I've had enough. I can't take it anymore. 
And God looked down and saw a man that was after his heart, a man that had the same desires and intentions of God, that was on the same page of God. David, the shepherd boy, and he became king. I'm here to tell you today, you want to know why God isn't answering your prayers? Why maybe you feel like God isn't responding to your giving? Perhaps God isn't responding to your fasting? Maybe because you're not even doing it for him. Maybe you're doing it to be seen of men. Maybe you're boasting in your offerings and your giving and all of the things you're doing for humanitarian purposes. You know, you're taking pictures and videos of yourself out there uh, giving hot dogs to homeless people. Maybe you're showing videos of you praying for people and laying hands on people in the altar and putting it on your social media. Maybe you're bragging about how long of a fast you're on and you're looking so hungry and you know, I've lost three or four pants sizes because I'm fasting so much. Could it be you feel like you're not getting anything out of it because you're not doing it for God? That's what's going on. You're doing it for men. Let me tell you, you can fast <laughs> till your belly button falls off. You know, you can pray till your voice is hoarse. You can give till you have nothing left to give. Mankind can do nothing miraculous for you. All the reward we can really give you is applause. All the rewards we can really give you is hearts and blue thumbs up and, and send you emails and, and invite you over to our house uh, for a barbecue dinner. That's all we can do. That's all the reward we can give you. That's not fulfilling. That is not enough. But if you really want something deep and special, it can only come from God above. It can only come from what comes from heaven. So it's time to stop acting. It is time to stop performing. It is time to quit giving and praying and fasting to be seen of men and do what those things were really meant to do, and that was to please the Lord, to humble yourself, to crucify your will, to take up the cross that Christ gives and take it to where he took it, to surrender all of your hopes and all of your ambitions to the will and the kingdom of God. Friend, if you will give that way, if you will pray that way, if you will fast that way, then you will be rewarded by God. He will give you the gifts of the Spirit. He will give you the fruit of the Spirit. He will give you the Beatitudes. He will open doors for you. He will give you opportunity. And most importantly, when the time comes, he will reward you in heaven. Stop acting. You're here to listen, and I'm here to talk. This is Justin C. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Click follow and become a loyal listener. Give a great review and rating and share a link with your friends. If you enjoy this podcast and it's of value to you, consider giving to support the work that goes into producing this episode through Cash App, PayPal, and Venmo, all at Justin C. Gleason. Reference the show notes for details. Thank you so much for giving podcasting is the future. I have some exciting news that I want to share with you. I am going to be hosting a Holy Land tour. That's right. We're going to Israel in November 2022. I want to invite you to come on this trip with me. You will see 
the very same mountains that Jesus saw. You will take a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee, the same sea that a great storm came. The disciples thought they were going to perish, and they looked out across the sea and saw Jesus walking on it. You get to get on that same sea, and guess what? You get to have a delicious lunch. That's right, fresh fish caught right out of the Sea of Galilee, just like Jesus cooked for the disciples there on the beach. And he asked Peter, do you love me? You get to see all of those things. You get to see ancient ruins that Abraham would have saw, that Isaac and Jacob would have seen. Uh, you see various parts of the land that the judges would have seen, like uh, an ancient uh, city called Dan that Abraham would have uh, traveled to in his journey to rescue his backslidden nephew Lot. You go down into Jerusalem, you will see the very place, the very place that Jesus was crucified. You will see the place that he was buried. You'll then journey into the upper room, the very place that the, that the Holy Ghost fell and the sign of tongues came. Uh, you get to see the Jordan River. You get to go and see the wilderness that David fled to in Getty, where he came and wrote many of his psalms. You get to see all of those things. You'll see your Bible come to life. You can sign up through samsontours.com. Check the episode links below. We're going to be having more information come out in the weeks to come about this trip. But go ahead and make plans. Set aside some time in November 2022. Check out the website. Get the details. Make plans for you and your spouse or you and your good friend to uh, come on this trip to Israel. Also, follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Justin C. Gleason. Also, contact me if you like at justincgleason at gmail.com. Hypocrisy is not just simply having a lot of convictions. Hypocrisy is not having a lot of rules. Hypocrisy is not having... Um, I guess a lot of do's and don'ts, but really hypocrisy is a performance. It's all an act. That's what it is. And that's what the scribes and Pharisees were doing. It was all an act to cover up who they really are. That's what a hypocrite is. And a hypocrite is not somebody so much that has a doubled standard, although that's a part of it. A hypocrite does what they do simply as a performance to be seen of men. So the scribes and Pharisees would give in order to cover up what they really were. Jesus talked in more details, especially in the Gospel of Matthew. You know, there's, there's writings about the hypocrites in Mark, Luke, and John, but really Matthew is the one that really points it out, uh, Jesus' interaction with these hypocrites, scribes, and Pharisees. You know, you know that the, the term hypocrite really is a derogatory term. I know we say, oh my goodness, don't call people names. Don't identify anybody. Don't, don't put a label on anything. Uh, Jesus called people names. He called Herod a fox. A fox back then, <laughs> you know, a little animal, uh, was like saying, Herod is a wimp. He is a wuss. Okay, use your imagination. It, it, was, it was a slanderous term. sure was. Uh, the uh, Zidonians, the Canaanites, all them that worshipped a god called, they called Beelzebul. Uh, Jesus called him Beelzebub, which meant Lord of the Flies. I mean, they mocked the god, their god. 
Canaanites viewed Baal as almighty, as the great one. Jesus, the Hebrews called him Beelzebub, which means all he is is Lord of Flies. <laughs> uh, you know, then the Syrophoenician, he referred to her as a dog, which is a derogatory term for idol worshipers. They would bow down and worship like dogs. Uh, we, we covered that specifically in a past episode. Some were saying that that was a racial slur, had nothing to do with racism. As in every accusation out there that God, Bible, and church are racist. All false. All false. So anyway, the, the hypocrites, they, they would do what they would do to cover up who they really were. So Jesus talks about scribes and Pharisees being extortioners and would devour widows' houses. They did that stuff. You know, let's say you had a widow whose husband died. They would go to the widow and say, oh, we're so sorry. This is just horrible. Well, we have some money for you if you would like to borrow it. And if you sign this agreement, as long as you pay us back, you can live in your home. You can keep uh, all your property. Your sons will be yours. But if you, don't, if you fail to pay, then uh, we will seize your land. We will uh, seize your property. We'll take your sons and become our slaves. And, you know, widow having no other options, no other whatever, and it seems like a good opportunity, she'd sign, sign it away. You know, then well, uh, the, the scribes and Pharisees a year later would start charging outrageous usury or interest on the widow. She couldn't pay it, so they would seize her land and property and her sons. That st- type of stuff would happen back then. They would devour widows' houses, but then, oh, they would walk in with all this money and give it you know, to the synagogue. <laughs> they would give money, away, uh, money that they just devoured from a widow. Now, Jesus talks about this. If you think God checks out during the offering service of of your church, think again. You know, Jesus stood there and observed as everybody gave, as they walked in. All these Pharisees came in dumping all their cash, all their coins into the giving box, and then a little old woman comes in, a widow, drops in two mites, and he says to his disciples, she gave more. Don't think for one minute that God just checks out during offering service. I know we think, oh, only God worships, uh, uh, you know, manifest during our worship service and God gets with the preaching and then the Holy Spirit moves in the altar call. But he doesn't have anything to do with the offering. That's just us. That's just man-made. Oh, no, God watches. He watches. He observes if you give with the right intention and you give according to his will. Render to God what belongs to God's. What is that? Well, it's always been 10%. Not 9, 7, 3, or 1%. It's 10%. That's the beginning of giving, and the ending of giving is your offerings. That's Bible. So yeah, these Pharisees, they would devour widows' homes, but to look like they were giving, to look like they were honest, to look like they were true, they would give to the, in the synagogue for everyone to see, everyone to see. But Jesus taught us followers, when you give, your right hand and your left hand should not even know what is in the other hand, meaning your hands, you know, he's... he's being a sarcastic, obviously, it's, it's, it's an illustration, but he's saying your hand shouldn't even know what is in the other hand. And if your hand shouldn't know what's in the other hand, then people shouldn't even know what you give. He said you give in secret. That's right. Give secretly. And then prayer. You know, the Pharisees prayed long, memorized prayers on the street corners. They'd be out there for two or three hours. And it wasn't for God. It was a way to look spiritual. But in all reality, their prayers were an act to cover up their lawlessness. 
These scribes and Pharisees had no problem with divorce and remarriage. If they became upset with their wife, you know, they can't just kill her. <laughs> Although some probably did that. They would pay to have her killed. You know, she's gone, so then they can lawfully remarry. But a lot of them uh, would, you know, lust for a woman. Well, she's married to a man. Well, the man's got to go. So they would pay to have the man killed. So she's without a husband. And then they would come and comfort the woman. Oh, I'm so sorry. Well, if you will become my wife, I will care for you. You know, they got all this money, you know, having devoured widows and weak people and the poor and the downtrodden. They got all this money and then they can go around and kill whatever husband they want and take the wife. That's why Jesus was vehemently against their idea and how they manipulated the law of Moses. Jesus said, Moses would never have permitted what you do. He said he allowed divorce only because of the hardness of hearts. He said, You're, that's where your heart is, the hardness of heart. It's unlawful what they would do. It's like King David and Uriah and Bathsheba. That was an unlawful marriage. That was not natural. That was not ordained of God. You know, it, just because of circumstances, God permitted it, allowed it. But that is not the way of the Lord. Well, the Pharisees did that stuff. They would kill a man so that they could uh, have his wife. You know, if the husband dies, she's free to marry whoever. Well, it was all done through manipulation. That's not spiritual. It's all an act. But they would hide all those things through their long prayers. So people passing by, they would see, oh, this is a good man. He prays two or three hours a day. There's no way he would ever commit adultery. There's no way he would ever murder because he prays so long. Yeah, it was a show. It was an act. Yeah, then they, they, they do the fasting, you know, they disfigure their faces. They walk around looking so, oh, I'm so poor, I'm so hungry, I've been fasting for 40 days. You know, they, they appeared to fast to look spiritual. Then at night, they would sneak into the Roman bathhouses. That's right. Get a little friendly with other Roman men, yeah. You know, according to history, rabbinical history, Barabbas, the one who was released, uh, and, and Jesus took his place on the cross. Barabbas killed a Sadducee because he caught him coming out of a gay Roman bathhouse. That's right. Barabbas was a zealot, raised an insurrection. He wasn't like a robber and thief. Oh, no. He was, I mean, I'm sure he had some corruption in him, but nowhere near the Pharisees and Sadducees. He, was, he believed in the liberation of the Jews, the liberation of Israel. And he killed a Sadducee because uh, he was openly, you know, before everybody, a prayer warrior, you know, and a big giver and a big faster. But at night, uh, he was going in the Roman bathhouse uh, to have a nice massage, trying to keep this as family-friendly as possible. And he drew his dagger and murdered him. He said, we ain't going to have that around here. Okay, so uh, hypocrisy is, uh, it'll break your heart when you see it, especially in people that you trust. Yeah, observe, watch, look at how people give. Look at how they pray, and look at how they fast. If you can see it and you know it, it's hypocrisy. But Jesus taught something else. He said, you won't be known so much by your giving, prayer, and fasting, all of that. He said, really, if you want to know, if you want to know somebody, how I want you to be known is your fruits. Don't display your giving, your prayer, or your fasting. Your fruit is what you display. You display the... A seasonal production that God gives you. That's how you do it. And really, you don't need to display it. People will see it. It's kind of hard to conceal those things. You know, can you conceal a great uh, 
field of wheat. No. You definitely can't conceal a field of corn. My goodness. You drive across the Midwest, it's just corn and corn and corn. You can't conceal that. Do farmers get out there and display how big their tractors are? Do they get out there, you know, with thousands of gallons of fertilizer and say, hey, look at all this? No, they don't have to. They just work, spray, dig, whatever, spray their insecticides, do whatever they can, water it. Are they out there displaying how massive their sprinklers are? No, they don't. They don't have to. They say, look at my fruit, look at my corn. That's how he will know who men really are. And it's the same thing with your spirituality. So yeah, if a man claims to be spiritual, uh, look at his wife. Is she well taken care of? Does she look like she's loved? Does she look like she's at peace? Then he's a good man. If not, I wouldn't take his spirituality seriously at all. Look at his kids. Are his kids all backslid? Are his kids all crazy? Uh, you will know people by their fruits. Look at his friends. Look at his close associates. Look at the people that he has impacted the most. That's right. That's how you know somebody by their fruit. Don't look at their works. Look at their fruit. So let's go into depth now about, about these things a little bit more. Let's talk about giving. I got the revelation of giving when I started working. I saw how well it works when you give. When you obey the word of God, the Lord will take care of you. But up until I was married, I'd really never given like a big sacrificial offering. It was always just regular giving. I would set aside tithe. I would set aside offering. I would give to missions. I would do all of these things, but never had I ever given sacrificially. In the first year of Sister G and I being married, we had a foreign mission service at our church. And my wife and I were the youth pastors then. We were down there with the youth group at the altar. And I mean, this missionary just touched the hearts, especially of these youth group kids who wanted to do something for God. And my wife and I were down there praying, and I heard the word of the Lord come to me, and he spoke an amount to me to give. Now, I know we are not supposed to give to be seen of men, and I've just said all this, but let me, let me just tell you this. It was in the four digits, okay? Now, when you're newlywed, I mean, even now after being married, something in the four digits, uh, you feel that. That is a sacrifice. <laughs> And when you're newlywed, I mean, you're broke. You're trying to build a life together. And God says, I want you to give something in the thousands. Um, I mean, I had to take a step back, and I locked up in my spirit, and the word of the Lord came to me again, give it. And I whispered to my wife, I said, I feel an amount to give. And she squeezed my hand, and she said, I do too. So I got out a piece of paper. I wanted to put a test to what her and I felt, and I wrote the number down without her seeing. I wrote the number down. I hid it in my hand, and I said, what did God speak to you? And she told me the amount. I opened up my hand and showed her, and it was the very same exact amount. And we gave it. And you know what? We felt it. Let me tell you this. Nobody knew, just her and I and God. I didn't parade it. I didn't get up and say, I have never given. A thousand dollars in my life. But God spoke to me and I Nope, none of that. I just got out the checkbook, wrote a check, put it in an envelope, and gave it. And sat down. Then paraded it all. Matter of fact, I feel almost weird telling you about it, but I'm just trying to 
give you the example of what God has done in my life. And I can I tell you from that moment, the Lord began to bless me with opportunities to preach. Doors began to open and a new level of anointing and impact came to my ministry because I listened to the voice of God and I gave because he wanted me to give. It wasn't about to look impressive. It wasn't about to make a show. No, because I don't need to do any of that. My spirituality is for God. It's not a show. I'm not a hypocrite. It's not an act. It was for God. And he was there, and he witnessed it by speaking the same amount to my wife and I. That's sometimes how you got to test the word of the Lord. God will speak to husbands and wives. Sacrificially amounts to give. That's right. Let me, let me tell you this. If somebody gets an attitude in your church, mark it down. They are behind in their tithing. The most critical people about what a pastor preaches, what a church is doing, you know, the programs, the things happening, mark it down. They don't give. Givers naturally are cheerful. Givers naturally are happy. But the people that keep, the people that hoard, the people that withhold are the most miserable people in all the world. That's right. Giving will naturally bring about a fruitful, positive spirit. That's right. You want to know why you're not given a chance to testify or sing the solo? Oh, that pastor knows who tithes. You're not tithing. That's right. You got a career where everybody knows. You make $75,000 a year. You can Google it, what type of career you have. The pastor looks at your giving, and you gave 100 bucks that year. Yeah, you ain't getting up on that platform. Forget it. It's time to start getting faithful. You will know people by their fruits. Giving is spiritual. I, I feel it right now. Some of you are thinking, God doesn't care about giving. Oh, he doesn't? What about Ananias and Sapphira? The first people to be judged by death in the New Testament. You think that death by judgment by death is only an Old Testament thing? Read the book of Acts. Within the first few chapters, a husband and wife dropped dead. You know why? Because they only appeared to give the full amount that they sold some possessions for. They wanted to pretend like they sacrificed all and gave all, but really they only gave a part. And because they were hypocritical or an actor about it, they pretended to give it all. Holy Ghost said, I am not mocked. You are not going to laugh at me. You are not going to try to deceive the people in my presence. And uh, they gave up the ghost, boom, right there on the floor. And the younger disciples had to drag him out. Giving is spiritual. It should be done for God, by God, obeying God, how God wants it to be, and only for him. Let's talk about prayer. Prayer, prayer, prayer. Oh, yes. Prayer is important. Not praying is bad. The praying to be seen of men is worse. The scribes and Pharisees, the hypocrites, prayed on the street corners. You know, they took the ministry to the streets. My God. Well, yeah, they did. And should we do that? We sure, we sure, we, we should. It's not as common lately, you know, with COVID-19 and stuff and just the way we are. And some of us really frantically right now worried about you know, losing our religious freedoms, a lot of it, you know, stays in the four walls. Hey, if you're having good church within the four walls, uh, don't stop what you're doing. 
It's like some preachers that preach, we got to get this out of the four walls. It's like they're saying, we need to quit having church in here and go out in the streets. I dare you to try that. I dare you to lock your doors and take it to the streets and see how well you last. Oh, no. There is power in assembly. God manifests in the assembly of his saints. And the greatest works of God that you will ever see is the assembly of the saints. You need to have both. You need to have it in church meetings, and you need to have it where the lost are. you got to have both. When it comes to prayer, it needs to be done privately. And I know what you may be thinking. Well, my goodness, do we have to shut down worship? Do we have to shut down hand clapping, loud singing, hand raising, dancing before the Lord? Do we, do we have to stop all that and go uh, completely stoic and reformer with it? Absolutely not. Look, worship is to be done for all to see and hear. Praise is to be done for all to see and hear. Glorifying God is an open public thing. That is not prayer. Prayer is not praise. Prayer is not worship. Prayer is not exaltation. Oh, no. Prayer is private conversation with God. Jesus says, enter your room. One translation, it says, enter your closet. You know what that meant? Back then, Jewish men, they wore um, a uh, talit. In the Hebrew, talit, it means a little tent. It was a cloth that they put over their head. And, uh, you know, you have Samuel. His mother would bring him a little coat. That was his prayer garment. As he got older, he would wear it. They wore these outer garments that were symbolic of the law of God and prayer and things like that. What they would do is when they would go to pray, they would cover their heads. They would wrap their faces sometimes in their mantles, as Elijah did. Jesus says, when you pray, you need to be like that. You need to cover your head. The Pharisees would not cover their head. Oh, they would pray so loud to be seen and so loud to be heard. But Jesus says, you need to pray in secret. You want a reward from God? Then pray secretly. Don't seek the reward from men. Get a reward from God. Now, I know what you may be thinking. Well, Brother Justin, you know, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, you know, a man should not pray with his hair, uh, uh, with, it, with his head covered. You know, and that has to do with uh, the hair length and all that. Men should have short hair. But it also has to do, I think, a lot of times with the prayer covering. Okay? Now, I know we have the natural covering. The men carry their hair, their hair short. Women have their hair long, flowing, and untouched, by the way. Uh, just a side note, those prayer shawls, those prayer coverings, they would never put scissors to those. To destroy them would destroy their connection with God. That's why women keep the scissors out of your hair. Read it, 1 Corinthians 11. It's right there, plain as day. Don't tamper with it. Let it grow. That's how you're, you'll have a connection between God and the angels will be attracted to, to it. There's prayer in that. But men, our covering is really the glory of God upon our head and our short hair to look masculine, okay? But Jesus is teaching before the true new covenant fully came after his death, burial, and resurrection. So he says, pray with your head covered. So he's telling his disciples, and for that time and that time being while he was present before his passion on the cross, he's saying, cover your face, cover your head. In other words, pray so nobody can hear. Pray so nobody can see. To us nowadays, I tried praying with one of those prayer shawls on me. My first trip to Israel, I tried to pray with one on my head. didn't work. I felt weird. And the Holy Ghost quickened me. God said, get that thing off your head. And I did. That's why traditionally Christian men, they would remove their hats coming into church. You should remove your hat. Uh, If you're trying to pray, I've never seen somebody get the Holy Ghost or a man get the Holy Ghost with a hat on his head. I have yet to see that. Maybe you have. I haven't. 
I tell them, get the hat off. You want the glory of God on your head? Get that hat off your head. That's right. It works. I'm telling you, it's true. Try it out. I know what I'm talking about. Anyway, moving on. What I'm really trying to teach you here from, from Christ is when you pray, you need to be praying about things that if anybody else heard, you would be embarrassed if they heard it. You would be ashamed if they heard you praying about the things you're praying about. That's right. When it comes to prayer with God, you need to take off that mask. You need to get vulnerable. You need to tell God about your sins. You need to tell God about your faults. You need to confess him your worries, your fears, everything. You know, God wants to know your secrets. I mean, he already knows them. He already knows everything you need to pray about, but he wants to hear you talk about it. That's what true prayer is. So you see us in apostolic churches. We kneel at the altar, and where do we put our face? Into our hands. You know, we bury it into our arm. When you are doing that, you are praying the exact same way God wanted you to pray. Now, when you worship, hand clapping, hands up, sing it out, praise the Lord, glorify God. But when it comes to prayer and really opening up your soul to the Lord, you need to pray so nobody can hear. I like whispers. I like praying in a quieter voice. I like finding a secret place, maybe facing the wall like Hezekiah did. When you pray like that, the Lord will reward you. He certainly will. So fasting, okay? Fasting's powerful. Fasting, when you go without food, you know what you're doing? You are telling your flesh no, essentially, to original sin. Mankind's original sin was not fornication. It was not adultery. It was not murder. It was not theft. It was not idolatry. You know what it was? Eating something that we shouldn't. So when you are saying no to food, you are telling the serpent, Satan himself, I will not eat. You know, if Adam and Eve would have been on a fast, no sin. But because they were deceived by the lying words of the serpent, they ate. And we are uh, benefiting, if you want to look at it that way, from that to this day. We are cursed now to this day because of this. So when you don't eat, you are saying no to the original sin. That's why it's so powerful. And consecration and righteousness filters from all of that when you go on a fast. That's right. When you fast properly, you are sub putting your flesh into submission. You are denying your carnal nature and giving yourself totally over to the Spirit. You know, in the Old Testament, they had uh, five major fasts. Number one, no food or drink. Secondly, they would not bathe. Thirdly, they would not anoint. Fourthly, they would not wear any nice clothes. And fifthly, no marital relations. There's no single verse with all those listed there, but it's kind of sporadic throughout the Bible. You would see that King David would make a call for uh, no eating. No man would come near his wife. You know, they would sit down and, and mourn in sack, sackcloth and ashes. They wouldn't anoint themselves, all of that. Essentially, what they were doing is making no provision for the flesh. And the rabbis taught that when Israel would do this, they were living as an angel. You think about that. Do angels eat and drink? No, they don't. They don't need to. They're a spirit. Do angels take baths? <laughs> They're a spirit. They don't, they don't get dirty. dirty. They don't anoint themselves. Uh, they don't put on, you know, nice human clothes. They don't 
uh, have marital relations. They don't do any of that. So you're living like an angel. So in the New Testament, Jesus taught something different. It's a little different. Yes, we do fast food. Yes, we do fast drink. But another thing that he added into there is really we fast personal time. We fast moments when we would be entertaining ourselves. We would fast our own time of ambitions, our own time of accomplishing things for ourselves, and really we just spend time with God in prayer and his word. Jesus taught when you do these things, you need to appear that you're not fasting. He said, I want you to take baths. I want you to anoint yourselves. Christianity is about being clean. That's right. Shower up, soap up, shampoo up, uh, get some cologne going, get some deodorant going. That's right. And in marital relations, we do fast those, but only by consent, as Paul taught. So yeah, Jesus changed it up a little bit, but not much. But essentially, you fast just simply to lower your flesh. You lower your carnal nature so that you may have strength in the Spirit. Let me tell you this. That's how it works. You'll have power with God. You'll have power with men. You'll definitely have power over the devil. You look at the sons of Sceva in Acts chapter 19. They were powerless against spiritual darkness. Why? Because they were just used to acting. They would give, but only to be seen of men. They would pray, but only to be seen of men. They would fast, but only to be seen of men. And the devils overpowered them. Okay. Uh, Take a look at Clint Eastwood, his old westerns, those spaghetti westerns, right? Okay. Is Clint Eastwood really a cowboy? No, he's not. (laughs) He's not. But in the movies, they make it look like he is. He's not really a cowboy. Uh, Is uh, Harrison Ford... Are really like an expert pilot in a galaxy far, far away? No, he's not. Harrison Ford really has no idea uh, to find a, a spaceship. Uh, is uh, is uh, Nicolas Cage really a, an expert at finding lost treasures? You know, in in Washington D.C. No, he's not. Can Tom Cruise really break into a a major, heavily secured building? No, he can't. Uh, Could Keanu Reeves really bring down a massive artificial intelligence nation? No, he couldn't. He couldn't. These are all actors. They appear as if they could. It's a stage. Okay? You want to know if somebody is really, truly a man or woman of God? It'll happen when the real thing arises. Because you can only operate in the Holy Ghost when you do your works to be seen and to please God. Actors are useless at the real things. They're only good on stage. They're only good on stage. But the real, the true men and women who give, pray, and fast for God, they can pray for the sick and they're healed. They can come against a devil and watch it leave a person. They can truly make disciples. They can work the altars. They can operate in the gifts of the Spirit. That's the reward if you do it for God. But if you do it for man, you're powerless. You're absolutely powerless. I'm Justin C. Gleason. Thank you so much.